I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watch the brand new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch, now playing in theaters. And on this episode, we are joined by a very special guest. Who is that, Mitchell? We are joined by friend of the pod, best friend of mine, friend of yours growing up all our lives, Matthew Midtoon. That's right, now, we have two why, Matthews on the podcast this week. Two Matthews, why, you may ask, is he on the pod? Uh, because we wanted to, and it was fun. And the whole nature of this podcast is friends sitting around the coffee table, friends sitting around the bar after the movie, talking about their experience, talking about what they just saw, and we're trying to recreate that vibe a little bit. And so why not That's bring right. in a close friend to do a deep dive on, on the world of Wes Anderson? That's right. We had a great conversation. Uh, if you haven't seen The French Dispatch, is playing in theaters. It is a great, great movie. We loved it. It's probably going to be on demand here pretty soon, uh, considering the way these things work are working right now. So if you haven't caught it, look for it pretty quickly. But we like this movie. And if you can't get to it, go watch a different Wes Anderson movie, because they're all pretty much great. And we talked about The French Dispatch, sure. But... Did we also mostly just talk about other things? Yes. So if you haven't watched The French Dispatch, just enjoy the episode. Also, quick note. Uh, we know we've been absent here. We usually like to stick to a pretty regular schedule of a podcast a week. Uh, but we both have had some major, pretty pretty major life stuff been going on in the background. And so uh, we've had to take our holiday break, but we're, we're going to get back on schedule here. Yes, our goal is to be uh, back as regularly as we can. November was a crazy month for, I think, both of us. And we've got this episode. We've already got our next episode recorded, so we are going to be as on schedule as possible. Uh, but, yeah, we're just uh, so so grateful for those of you that are listening. And we are going to close out the year strong with some great movies that have uh, been taking their time to come out, but we're excited. And we're grateful for the people who have asked, where's the pod? Well, yes. That's, that's a good yes. feeling. <laughs> Yeah, it is a good feeling. So thank you for continuing to listen. Enjoy today's episode. We're going to jump right to it uh, with our friend Matthew Mattoon and the French Dispatch already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. We can just put this in I later. This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> Note to self, edit song in here. Okay, but I yeah. wanted that as the intro before it drops <clears throat> into the convo because that gets me psyched and hyped. That gets me there. Great. So, you know, we <clears throat> usually like to start a little chit-chat, a little, oh, and speaking of, that ties into the movie that we watched this week. Yeah, and I'm good at that. I'm good at that part. That's, that's what I do. Truly. Truly. Mainly Matthew has thoughts on the movie, and I'm like, am I right? And that's but, that's the entire dynamic. When we have a guest, we, we want to introduce our guest. We do have questions. We do have questions. And we have some questions for our guest that don't relate oh to God. this movie. Okay. We have a guest today. And I think, Mitchell, f- you should introduce our guest. Oh, gosh. How do I begin? Where do I begin? Our guest today for Wes Anderson's new The French Dispatch. The man, the pilot, 
the legend. <laughs> it's Matthew Mittoon. Bonjour. One of my bonjour. greatest friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it begins. <laughs> Uh, we we have some history. This isn't a rando, you know, guy we found off the street to record this episode. Listen, Wes, Wes is a man of friends and family reoccurring on projects, so we decided to bring in a friend and family to the, to the McCleary brothers, oui. Matthew Mitu. We we, je m'appelle Matthew. Um, I did take French. For a year and a quarter at Capital Christian. And Great. I remember. Uh, do you feel like that prepared you for the French dispatch? Absolutely. Um, I feel like I caught things. I feel like <laughs> I was able to uh, really understand. Get his, into so the, the whole nuances. milieu of the, yeah. the, the French. Yeah. Oh, uh, his the small cinema, town on Wii. <laughs> <laughs> Some might say a movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Matthew Midtoon. And and Matthew, you... Did you want to do this? You requested the French Dispatch? I did. I did. I I wish that wasn't said on the podcast because I wish... I was just asked because... (laughs) Oh, okay. Here, let let me... I'll I'll, I'll cut that. I'll edit. To be fair. okay. To be fair, we've talked about you coming on the pod. It's been an assumed guest, but we had to yeah, find the right movie. For sure. Yeah. And so when you threw the idea of the French Dispatch, it was like, okay, this kind of feels good. sure. Great. I was kind of waiting in the shadows for <laughs> my moment. And I've just learned, I, you know, I've been on this planet for 29 years, and I feel like I've just learned that, you know, you can't wait for people. You have to make things happen. Yeah. So that's just the energy I'm coming with. And I, uh, I should just say for our listeners, obviously the three of us have a lot of history, but the two of you have some sort of very deep, uh, <laughs> some sort of weird, and and, and I mean, uh, you guys have been graph- basically <laughs> violent. <laughs> we hate each other. Uh, I'm, f- I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna uh, feel like a third wheel for the next however many oh, hours that we're doing no, this. No, but no, in a in a fun good way. Context. Yeah. Quick context. We all, to a degree, one degree or another, grew up together. It's sure. crazy. I've probably <laughs> known you, Matthew, for longer than you as, know me. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> How old are you? Twenty nine. Probably twenty nine. 25 of those years guys yeah 20 to 25 years guys where does the time go i'm just i've gotten hot and heavy into succession and i'm finally caught up i'm finally caught up oh did you watch this week's episode through season three i just yes wait all episodes of season three this week was all five oh my god dude we have things adrian brody Master, oh, yeah, what a master. Speaking of Adrian Brody, the French oh dispatch. I know, dude. It was, it is, I think, honestly, and this is a hearkening to what Matthew said about Dune. Okay, because I do Ooh, listen to the podcast. Dang, what Matthew said, listen to Matthew uses a metaphor for Dune about Lord of the Rings, and mm. I will use the metaphor for succession about Breaking Bad because wow. I haven't felt. <sighs> This kind of, yep. 
alluring darkness. <laughs> Since I watched Breaking Bad. And it's not something right. that I'm like, it's more like I can't look away. It's like, I what need is to know what happens. I need to know, like, where this and, is going. And, and totally uninteresting like the premise of the show before watching, right? Yes. Like, and it yeah. doesn't rich feel people problems. Yes. And it doesn't feel like a mm. show like breaking bad. It feels like I'm watching a real story. It feels like I'm, it just feels like this is happening. Like a beginning and end. Yeah. Let's see how he gets uh, there. You know, it's interesting yeah. because succession in a lot of ways is like the anti breaking bad for me because at the end <sighs> of last, at the end of last <laughs> week's episode, <laughs> That's leaving the room. <laughs> at, the, at the end of last week's episode, they, they do the Adrian Brody trip. And then Kendall is sitting on the runway and he watches Adrian Brody embrace Stewie on the runway. And like, and, and then it's he, like, he, you he sees think his death being embraced. Yeah. And then you think this next episode is going to be like the fallout of that trip, the fallout right. of, of Logan's health issue. And there's a little bit of that, but like, we just like fast forward to shareholder meeting and everything yeah. has already gone down right. and we've they've there's been presumably weeks of negotiations like, hey and, we know that's boring yes and we're breaking we'll bad did a good job of finding the value out of actually slowing down and we're going to do a whole episode where they're dealing with this one dead body or whatever famously do that or the fly and so breaking bad is mining a lot of things out of uh stuff that would be just skated over in other shows where succession is so good at cutting the fat of of the plot just to get you to these graciously entertaining and every every episode even though because i totally agree with you that every episode feels not like an actual show but that you're watching something but if you think about it it's like oh that's the shareholder meeting episode like every episode is constructed around how do we get all of these people in a room together but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel contrived it's brilliant the first season and a half or so it's like how can we get these people in another beautiful setting Mm -hmm. that you Mm want to be and just talking yes and it's a trick that works on me every time i'm like okay yeah i'm here i'm in the desert in this mansion as long as greg's there i'm happy Okay, Greg and Tom. But Tom, I don't know why Tom is like. It's oh, like Shiv. My honey every bag. like, like. What is he? What's the club I sent you? He says, "Oh, you're my honey badger." No, 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 no. About spinach, he says. Oh my god! What did he say? He says. The spinach king or something. Yeah, he's like he's like he's like the king of leafy greens, his majesty the spinach. (laughs) And I was just to to avoid a question to avoid a question, he's just like piling food onto his plate. (laughs) Ah. He is a yes man. He will do anything for anybody. And he's like the ultimate like cheesy Saint Paul, Minnesota. Saint Paul, Minnesota. It's like such a nice detail for him. His whole like backstory everything is so enticing i, go, I can't explain monogamy. it oh <laughs> <laughs> Do, uh i i feel i feel like greg is like the greatest nine on uh, enneagram nine i've ever seen in a tv show <laughs> wing uh, eight um <laughs> wing eight. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, hey, Gramps, uh, what uh, what can I do is, is, to? Is there a way to sue um, him, but like in a nice way, like in a way that says I care about it? <laughs> how about how about God. we actually get a do over with your lawyer here? Um, could kind of try going back around the block on that again. Uh, we'd love another try. <laughs> My favorite Adrian Brody quote was like, "Look at outside. It's beautiful. It's disgusting." Sign <laughs> like that. But yes, how do we even get on succession? Captivated. Well, okay. well Adrian Brody uh, so, the French Dispatch. Okay, but some context for you. Yes, we've grown up together, but we, same school, the three oh, of us. Yeah. We're all confirmed at St. <laughs> Peter's slash Living Water. No, Living Water. L-dubs. So, okay, wait, Living Water your parents pastored a church that we all attended. <laughs> yes. And your mother, and your mother thing we was all... all of our eighth grade teacher. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So she our dad, my, our, my dad was confirmation, teacher. your mom was mathematics. A little bit of this, a little bit like of that. It was like yin and yang. <laughs> we had the spiritual, we had the... She did science. Scientific. So. Science it and faith. It was air and earth. It was water and fire. It was... It was definitely fire. It was definitely fire. (laughs) So yeah, they're just but like from because we went to this school from preschool up, and then this same church through college basically. So we have some rich history, and you and me have been, you know. Well, should I tell? Should I tell the origin story? Obviously, we all went to the same church, elementary school, but. Where Mitchell and I actually became good friends was the Colorado trip. Mm. And the youth trip. The youth trip. But where we most became friends is that was the year that I picked up knitting. I remember that trip very well. Facts. And I was so creative and cool and different. And (laughs) Mitchell was making fun of me (laughs) behind my back. And, or I don't remember how I found out about it, but I knew this guy was making fun of me. And eventually he warmed up and he wanted to learn how to knit. And so I decided to impart my knowledge to him. And you brought that me in. That's how we became friends. Here's here's the here's <clears throat> the let me let me go to court. I mean, I've got to get used to this. <laughs> so I got to build my case here. But genuinely, I was like, hey, I. This guy's doing something different. So then, and that, we were all reading the last Harry Potter book that week. We were. I remember That's I was literally did. reading the Deathly Hollows until like four yes. a.m. You're like, yes. go to worship. Like, <laughs> That's like, my memory of that trip. Is pretty much n- knitting and Harry Potter. Yeah, and you then trip, from man. that, <laughs> and then from that, listeners, believe it or not, Mitchell and I co-founded Quap LLC. <laughs> Knitting with a purpose with Chris Buccinelli. Oh, and we knitted <laughs> Shout out Chris and we knitted blankets for people dying of cancer. It was and I knit one too. That was nice. And Matthew knit one. It was kind of sloppy, but you it caught on. It was. Like it was super sloppy. R- really, you're an early adopter of these trends. We all catch up. Now my seven year old is learning how to knit in his elementary school. Stop it! Dang. And in a couple years, at this at his school, the kids will actually spin wool and dye it and use. And once they spin it, they'll get to make projects with see, the with the yarn. See, see, see. yeah, we got shafted. that's teaching. We got shafted. Oh my god! 
I know. We got, oh my we, God. Like, at St. Peter's, what did we get? Sign language and the egg lady? <laughs> Do not say the egg lady. Do not use the E word on this call. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, like hands why on don't skill. we learn things that are useful? Yeah. In yeah. school. It's just daycare. Oh, my God. It's just and daycare. Enoch's really impressed that I know how to knit. is the so. power of the cell. <laughs> that meme. Yeah, okay, so so now and we've got the origin now. story for the two of you. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, yeah. and, okay, and, so then and this is where the Smash all ties Brothers. In. Okay, Smash so this Brothers. is where this all ties in. So okay, then Mitchell started be hanging out. We started being friends. We obviously got to see we're Smash Brothers. But then, this is probably freshman year. Mitchell's like, hey, man. Higher brow. You're like, hey, man, like, there's these really cool movies, dude, like. And I'm like, okay, what? Have you ever heard of cool like, movies? What? And we're like eighth grade freshmen, and all of a sudden, Kill Bill. And I'm flabbergasted. And here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's me coming over to your house, you know, spending the night. Wait for mom and dad watch. to go to bed. And then. Because they never approve. But before I come over to the house, I go to my big brother's room and just pull out movies <laughs> and then take them to the pastor's house. <laughs> and I'm exposed to like Pulp Fiction and I'm like 14. <laughs> and like, and what, what, what is your context for movies up until this point? Up maybe? until this point, honestly, we're talking Shrek. <laughs> we're talking Finding Nemo. We're talking Spy Kids. Spy Kids. I was just going to say Spy, Spy Kids. <laughs> Can I tell you, I have a movie memory with you, Matthew. Tell me. Uh, that summer. Is that summer that, summer that we're yeah. talking about? It's fun. <clears throat> um, uh, I, we were, I don't know. It was probably uh, the musical we were doing for the church. <laughs> but you guys, y'all yeah. listeners, it, it was an era, okay? After one of these uh, like rehearsals or something, we all, a bunch of, or maybe it was after church, before rehearsal, we were all going to go to the movies. And and because I was like graduating that summer from high school, <clears throat> and Batman? so are you going to say Batman? No, it was three hundred, and you oh! were you went to the movies to see a different movie, and a bunch of us were in the three hundred, and you just snuck over to the three hundred theater, and you sat by me. <laughs> if that isn't Matt Mitchum to a T, <laughs> I don't know what is. And I'm like, what's my responsibility here? This is my pastor's son who's fourteen. This guy's lying. This is a very so graphic bold. movie. Like I'm just going to put my it's head like, what's down. What's up, guys? Very graphic. Oh god. No, that was. That was the whole graphic era. with how much sepia they put in that thing. Anyway. I was just yeah, that whole probably two year period I was my mind was blown by of opening up a movie Yeah. yeah. And just yeah, yeah, yeah. and just caring caring about yeah. like okay, why do I like this? Is it yeah. just mm. you know, explosive and fun or yeah. is there like something <clears throat> really rich and deep that I can take and yeah. you know be transformed and it feels so different so different than everything we're been, like been exposed to at that point mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah if your benchmark is shrek and spy kids <laughs> yes <laughs> or or it's it's shrek and spy kids but it's also like the uh the terminals yeah and, oh yeah uh, yeah 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 so know, kind of hitch. the the like lighter pg-13 pg adult ad- not adult but you know what i mean like yeah <clears throat> like just kind most, of the down the middle stakes. Yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say like the the most modern versions of that. Not that this is like a 
who's better, but you know, I I'm with some people right now who have been trying to convince me to go see like James Bond, which is fine, or like um, Eternals. You were Eternals. saying Eternals. Oh boy. I, oh boy. I, I I I'm still trying to figure out how to like articulate why I will never be interested in a movie like going to a theater to pay to see a movie like that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, see. I, I'm just like, I, I know this. It's probably good. It's probably entertaining. Eternals was actively bad. Okay. Well, in that case, no. <laughs> see, see, you have good instincts. <laughs> but I'm just like, the reason I want to go to a theater and pay money and sit in an audience mm. is like, I want to be mesmerized mm-hmm. by typically something I've never seen before, a storyline I've never seen before. And An experience. Like, yeah, and something that really feels totally like original and yeah. like i that would be like i couldn't <clears throat> sit home on my laptop and watch it and it feel the same way yes yes right it, it's kind of like so mitchell and i uh we went with another friend tony and saw spencer last week at tower oh, theater in sacramento who, i know who tony is Thank you. Yeah, uh, for the for the <laughs> listeners, <laughs> this guy Tony Buccinelli, uh, you wouldn't. <laughs> um, also uh, confirmed at, our, at the same church, so uh, cool. Uh, <laughs> shout out, shout out, confirmation. Uh, that's our thing. We're Who's got their silver cross? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we saw Spencer last week at Tower Theater, and like I don't know Mitchell you were a little more mixed on it and I, I was really positive about this movie but that was a, a movie as I was experiencing it I'm kind of like looking around at people like are y'all seeing this are we all experiencing this like crazy thing right now and this Johnny Greenwood score and this performance and and I, I that to me is that this is a wholly new experience mm-hmm. and uh, I, I want to I want to go out and be in a room full of people and, and have that happen where so much of this, you know, franchise driven stuff is like, well, it's going to be on Disney Plus in a couple months and I'll catch it and be able to keep up with the storyline or whatever. And you can feel the conveyor belt. It's got smell of conveyor belt rubber on the movie. You're like, yes. Yeah. 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 It, it's so far from the whole motivation, uh, even though obviously Wes Anderson is in a wildly popular, like it's going to be a blockbuster hit, you know, but it's like, it's such a different energy because it doesn't feel like this is just a money-making scheme. No. Right. Yeah. And, and the Wes Anderson thing, it's like, Oh, this is, this is, this is part of that Wes Anderson brand, right? He's and to be honest, he's kind of, a franchise unto himself with this troop of actors and there's a yes, style. Right. That's what's, that's what's fun. Or sorry, real quick, just on that point is like the PTAs, the Quentin Tarantino's, mm-hmm. the Christopher Nolan's. It's like, you almost have to be a franchise within yeah. your little world to do original stuff. Yeah. And to be constantly funded to do original yes. stuff. Because yeah. you've proven your track record. Yeah. And I think a lot of these guys, the, the ones that are really successful are playing a game when they are doing the interviews and building their brand because to be able to put your last name on the poster to have that mean something means you get to make the kind of movies you want to make. And, and that's what I think is true of Wes Anderson. 
And even yeah. within the Wes Anderson brand, every time I see a Wes Anderson movie, it's like, boy, I have no idea what to expect. And it is a totally unique yes. experience unto itself, which is yes. absolutely yes. what I felt with French Dispatch. Yes, yes, yes. That was I, what was especially refreshing to me about French Dispatch because it's so wildly different mm-hmm. from from what I have like come to expect. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, okay, sorry, Matt, you were about to say something. Well, I was just going to say, I know we touched on kind of that feeling of like, you know, going to see a Wes Anderson movie kind of feels like family. It kind of feels cozy. And like, I think it's just the energy of like, <clears throat> you know, and I don't know if this is true or not, but like, it feels like this mega starless of actors are just like, I will pay to be in your movie because <laughs> yes. this, this isn't about me making money or a name for myself. This is just for the love of like film. This is yeah. just for the love of storytelling. Yeah. And this is why I got into acting, you know, yeah. like that's why he's right. pulling people like Bill Murray, you know, but it, it's also people well, like, like Saoirse Ronan shows up and has like five lines five in this seconds. movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Or uh, I know. what's the girl from Mad Men? Oh yeah. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Yeah. She's in it for like 10 they have, seconds. They have five lines and you're just she like. She literally goes like this in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels so pure. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. it just feels like this is the energy that like I like I want people. I want to watch a movie and I want to feel the actors like loving every second of it. Yeah. You know. And I, I, he. I was seeing in. I was just going to say he has the pull to be able to fill these tiny, tiny roles with the right. top tier A-list actors of our, you know, it's of the time. It's, it's distracting how many <laughs> actors are in this that we like, be, like our Absolutely. beloved actors that are like each one movie star on their own. And they're like, you know, showing up for just to see their face for a second. Yes. Yeah. Did, yeah. Didn't George Clooney in, in Budapest, like he's there for one shot in like the shootout. And he comes yeah. out of a door. Yes, yeah. I believe so. And he doesn't say anything. He's, yeah. It's like yeah. half a second. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw an interview with, I think, a producer or something, but he was saying it, it's literally a summer camp for movies, mm-hmm. and you don't know who's rolling in that day, and everyone's so excited to see each other and just be around Wes. Like, he's just got this, you know. Yeah. Like, I just, even if I'm in frame for a second, I want to yeah. be part of this. Yeah. 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 They get to be on set. It's, Which, how yeah. many directors can can bring that out in actors because I, I feel like even like a quentin or a christopher nolan it's not a like please desperately let me just be in your movie yeah you know? I, I think people want to be but like I, I think the experience is oftentimes more difficult especially you know the stories mm. you hear from sets like david fincher movies or paul thomas anderson psychos i, I mean <laughs> the like running joke in hollywood is that david fincher broke jake gyllenhaal 12 years ago on the set of Zodiac and that's why Jake Gyllenhaal's movies have been so insanely dark since then and why he <laughs> broke Taylor Swift's heart let's say it let's I talk about it let's, let's go. <laughs> I literally googled why is Jake Gyllenhaal canceled? <laughs> <I know. laughs> and then what I from what I read it was like oh there's a line in the song where it's like or she, scarf. she said yeah, she left her scarf or like he broke up with her because she was too young. No, <laughs> like, he didn't show up for her twenty first birthday. Which yes, dick move. But it's like, but. what's cringier, that or like ten years later still a, a talking personality about it. around that? No, or, no. Taylor Swift is there's something brilliant about this 
to right. to to be able to say is there i made this album 10 years ago and i'd like to re-record the whole thing and make it become the most insanely popular thing on the planet for a week and make a bunch no. more money on this thing okay make more from money, a business but... mindset genius that's what i'm saying we're gonna get some hate mail um okay real quick before we jump in full on to dispatch we need to address our our west history a little bit mm, yeah 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 because cause, uh, thinking back on it, because we, we did a Rushmore episode. Yes. Like, uh, you know, a few months back. And you had never seen that, Matthew. Nope. So how did you and me, Matt, come across Rushmore? What? Like, when we watched it, that was one of my first Wes Anderson movies. Oh. And it wasn't, I, it wasn't for me. You introduced it to me. You must, Mitchell, you must have found it from seeing, like, Kill Bill. I, or, Fantastic know. Mr. Fox, maybe? Because that was yeah. your I first. I feel like Fantastic Mr. You Fox was back. my first Wes. That I, and especially first Wes I saw in theaters and was mesmerized. Yeah. Both by like how beautiful that movie is, but also the the like comedic tone was yeah. so like So specific. Yeah. So specific yeah. and yeah. so specifically me. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's that this is me in a movie. Yeah. And so being shocked by that, I guess I must have done some research and yeah. watched more of his stuff. But I, I feel like you and me maybe went to Dimple one day and bought a used copy of Rushmore yeah. Yeah. because it said Wes Anderson. But we just watched it totally randomly. Then. Yeah. And it yeah. I and after listening to that podcast after I like rewatched it and I was like this hits harder than it even did back then. It's better. Like it's better now. How mm. often do you feel that from an old movie? Like yeah, I was like, oh my god, this is the tightest, cleanest, like hour it, twenty. Like it, it's punch. in some ways his most uh, like succinct yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. but it's so interesting you say that too about Rushmore because you think. It being about basically this high school student that is something that a 19-year-old is really going to relate to, mm-hmm. but 10 years on for, for you and viewing it, you know, and 20 years after the movie's made, it's like, oh, it's more than ever how yeah. how specifically this is uh, just uh, touching on parts of, uh, of like life experience and relationship with parents and and authority figures like that i could not have begun to unpack as a 19 year old i wrote a hit play (laughs) (laughs) and and even seen nowadays it would have been him talking about his podcast (laughs) i've got listeners i've listen i've got a couple thousand (laughs) subscribers on youtube (laughs) yeah seriously um, but and then seeing too the influence of that movie stylistically on stuff today, like I sometimes I wish like oh what would that have felt like in the nineties? Mm, yeah, amongst like a sea of muck, you know, just yeah. the freshness yeah. ahead of its time. Yeah, but okay, so Ben Bottle Rocket was his first. Rushmore was our first like movie memory here. Mm-hmm. And Matthew, what was your first? Was was Fantastic Mr. Fox your first Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, probably. Um, and it was it was probably Fantastic Mr. Fox and then Moonrise Kingdom Be- because they're so different. Moonrise Kingdom is a live action one. Um, and so I've only up until recently only seen Fantastic Mr. Fox on. And then mm-hmm. this year, 
watched Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums for the first time just a couple weeks ago. I think I mentioned on the on the podcast. And I that movie is insane. How Tenenbaums being his third and how you talked about Rushmore being succinct. Tenenbaums feels like oh, this is this is Wes Anderson fully formed yeah. and his masterpiece. Yeah. And and um yeah, masterpiece and I think um I don't mean this as a criticism. I think he's just only gotten more and more control over his movies since oh then. Oh my god! Um, you know, I, I actually I, I'll talk about it. Um, Matthew, you've seen Tenenbaums, right? Yeah, yeah. So at the end of Royal Tenenbaums, when the, there's like a car crash that happens in front of, um, it's, I think it's a fu- is it a funeral that's happening, um, or or a wedding or something, and there's a car crash right on the street, but you don't see it. And like you see a car coming and then cut to like a car up on the road. Right. And, and it's, and you kind of can see like, okay, he, maybe he didn't have the budget for it or is trying to edit around having to actually do this action thing. And that's not really his style. And then you're watching the French dispatch and it's like, he has this extended animated sequence in the third story. That's all the action. It's the, it's the chase scene. (laughs) And it kind of reminded me of like, Oh, he's actually yeah, he, just not interested in like conventional filmmaking. He's like, because yeah. he, he, and what a delight! <laughs> and it was like great, you know. And I and I love that about him. And I think that's the evolution of of Wes. Is twenty years ago, it was like, oh, okay, we'll just kind of cut around it and get to the thing I want to. And now mm-hmm. it's all of his experience working in stop motion and other mediums. He he has no problem blending them in a movie together and saying, look, I, I'm not interested in a conventional chase scene. What if we just did it as an animated short in the middle of a movie for... What if I just did exactly what I wanted? Ex- exactly. What, what I want to do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and that's how I feel watching his movies now. It's He has no shame about doing exactly what he wants in every frame uh, of his movies. Yeah, I mean, talk about. I know you guys get into like favorite scenes in the pod, but mm-hmm. like when it went cartoon there, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> dude, that's a Kill Bill moment too. Yeah, for real. Yes. Yeah, for that's real. what I was thinking. I was it was like, like dude, he's like, all right, all you eighty deers out there, like, <laughs> try and be bored. Try and be bored. <laughs> If me packing every single frame of this movie with like little trinkets oh to look at gosh. isn't enough for you, mm-hmm. here, I, I grant you this. With, with French Dispatch, Dispatch, I felt so unprepared to record a podcast about it because I've only seen I it know. once instead of 12 times. I <laughs> exactly. want I know, I know. I really wanted to watch it a second time before the podcast. Yeah. Just on it, I went into it totally like, like blank, no idea what's going mm-hmm. on. And honestly, it took me the whole movie to really even like set like, Same. oh, this yeah. was like four movies in one. Yeah. And like the dialogue is, it's not like merciful. Like it's not giving you any chance no. to catch oh, no. up. It's like, no. you need, you need closed caption. Yeah. Uh, and I was yeah. like, I need, I really want to like sit down with this, like, and like, you know, you're you're kind of watching the backgrounds like play out, and you're like, "Wait, someone's been talking!" Damn it! <laughs> That's okay, seriously. I will, I will say, the one thing that felt the most unique about it, as opposed to his last like three or four films, is it felt like this one was it it required more of the audience. 
Like mm. I felt like Isle of Dogs. It demanded more. Moonrise Kingdom, Budapest Hotel was it was still totally intriguing and unique and like in your face, but it was th- those are very easy to follow along with what's happening. And the French Dispatch this one's challenging. The French Dispatch. I'm like, if I'm gonna take like my <laughs> friend who wants to watch a Marvel movie and try and convince him to watch French Dispatch, he is going to walk out. Like, I was going to ask, did he? <laughs> he didn't come, and I was thankful. <laughs> like, ten minutes into Basically it, I was like, I was like Thank God. okay, this is the wrong movie to introduce Wes Anderson to people. God. Yes. Yeah. I, I agreed. I think that's a really good point. Did you Did you end up seeing it with people, Matthew? By myself. Yeah. This was, okay, this was that's my the first move. ever movie I've gone to see by wow. myself. Oh, and wow. guess how much I paid? Guess how much I paid? Ten bucks? Mitchell? $12. $5.90. <laughs> was it on a Tuesday? And it was reclining seats. <laughs> I Did you get a beverage? Did you get a snack? I These went to the, the gas questions. station and got hot tamales. Oh, you <laughs> snuck in. Oh, you, oh Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's Christ mine. Hot tamales, I love hot tamales. Oh, my God. I love but hot tamales. You love any gummy thing. Love, hot tamales and Mike I and Ike's are my favorites, though. I love all candy. But it was set, and this was my first movie too since COVID. Oh wow! Wow. So it was just rich. Like I felt like it was too. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt it was so redemptive, and it was everything I wanted from a movie. But it did make me real. I was like, yeah, this is phenomenal. This is for the West fans. But like, I'm not gonna try and get my mom to understand what's happening here oh no this is the last one to recommend yeah. i feel like moonrise is the easiest yeah get you hooked sort of thing but the overwhelming sense i had for the first 20 minutes was like i'm missing so much yeah i'm missing so yeah. much well, yeah and i i brought up the movie theater experience so because i saw it by myself it was like a late showing it was like a 10 30 at night and and that's kind of typical for me is the by myself late night showing and um and I, i'll say it's not the first movie I've seen since COVID. I've gone to the movies so many times this year that I hit diamond status this week at the Regal. So. <laughs> no big do deal. Get, the most do you on get brand. three extra large upgrades in your popcorn? You get like Ooh. an extra thousand points Dang. every time you go. And it, and it only takes like two visits to get free popcorn or something. Dang. So uh, I took Enoch to see Clifford the Red, Big Red Dog and got that diamond status. Okay, uh, <laughs> small interjection, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. This is why I really appreciate specifically Matthew McClary's takes on movies is because you really can sit and enjoy Clifford the Red Dog for what yeah. it is. Totally. For what it is. Be- yes. Because you're not like – like you have the range to explore and enjoy – the finest most high. to understand that's for kids yes oh yeah, but you, yeah and yeah, not yeah, judge yeah. it and just be like this is fun you know yeah and and i, I, I need to say, get on letterbox and read his reviews yeah. of these movies matthew are you on letterbox he's not okay right now listeners, yeah. <laughs> i'm downloading it thank you do it right now well and and it, like i mean it's needed for our segment well i'm so. just not good i'm not a good writer like you guys uh, you don't Bro, need to be a good my, writer. Have you seen my reviews? <laughs> yeah. You're incredible. You're both incredible. <laughs> oh, no, no. My last review, I just said no. <laughs> what movie? Yeah. yeah. What 
What okay. movie? Well, that's a movie called High Society. <laughs> with, like... <laughs> it's like an old movie, but it was based on an even older movie that's much better. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Matthew actually writes reviews. I write memes. Um, well, it's but hilarious. Like, I, I, I'm not you funny. Don't... I'm not funny stop. or interesting. Stop. Stop. We have a, a freaking meme, very successful meme account <laughs> that's, that we that's will true. not name for sake of job security. But well, and, but and, even just as a tool for logging movies and seeing what your friends well, are watching, it's fun. That's what I like I about it. Give, because I'll I see Mitchell. Yeah, I'll see Mitchell watch something. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I'm going to put that on my watch list. But like for, like interesting. for me, it's like this fun space right now with Enoch who's seven and – I mean, he and he likes watching movies, and so I get to enjoy it with him. And he loved Clifford, and it was just it was it was delightful. And then we watched the new Home Alone this week, and he loved that movie, and I hated it. Uh, <laughs> and My I didn't family like that. thinks I'm not here. <laughs> is Did there that kid is, is is cute in Jojo Rabbit, but he sucks in this movie. Yes. Did you see it, Mitchell? No, I, I can tell. Saying. I can tell too. No. What yeah. is the phenomenon that we're experiencing from like 2015 on that is just remakes? Oh, it's it sucks. And then people this is the thing. are going this, to see like, it. This is the thing. I, I remember I, I, this. I, my home, my home sweet home alone review is one of my longer reviews on Letterboxd, <laughs> which may be wait, wait, some wait, insane wait, wait, thing. Wait, 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 wait. Is it called Home Sweet Home Alone? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is i mean my yeah. this is all of those words that's my oh, review of this movie my. and this is why i hated I, it i remember th- I, I remember thinking that during the trailer like they really did it they really <laughs> named it that <laughs> now i just sent you his review uh yeah. this this the the premise of the movie is the kid is not the main character the main character are the the intruders the burglars i love your first sentence look it's not good (laughs) (laughs) and and so the 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 burglars are this husband and wife who are on the verge of losing their house and going to foreclosure because they can't afford payments because he's lost his job which is not what i want a holiday movie to be about right now (laughs) and 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 covid really screwed the only way for them to save their house is to find this priceless family heirloom stupid ugly doll that is worth 200 that he can sell on ebay for 200 grand okay that he thinks this rich kid has stolen so they're trying to break into the rich kid's house to steal this this thing can i ask one question and the only thing the only thing that's going to save them is to sell this piece of crap family heirloom to some other rich person who is happy to spend two hundred thousand dollars in the middle of a pandemic on a doll <sighs> did they have this song in it did they have the that is in every christmas movie and i want to kill like when myself to no good i want to kill myself and guys we gotta decorate before they get here and it's okay. like the stupid adults like, and the kid being like really like sassy and smart, and you're like, no, it was not that. On. It was not. It was not like that. And then, and the other thing that drove me crazy is that like, there's all those memes about how the McAllister family, how in the world could they afford right. that giant house right. in Chicago, right. right? But their wealth never felt like an excess. Like it was no. just they were an upper middle class family, That's and it wasn't. I never case. questioned it. I never yes, questioned. You it. never questioned it. And I lived but, in Elk Grove. 
Yes. Yeah, you're like, this makes sense. And and now the the kid is, you know, this rich family and every actor in this rich family is so insufferable. And I think I, I was thinking about it this week because I thought about this movie far too much. Is it's like the uncle is not played by some character actor, but it's played by Pete Holmes, a comedian. And oh, that's what it is. It's all like his podcast is not bad. No, I have no problem with Pete but Holmes. But he should not be in this movie. But that's what I'm saying. It's all these like they brought in these comedians to do these little bit parts for a moment or two because they think like oh a comedian it's gonna be funny yeah you're a comedian you're funny no you're just insufferable and (laughs) it makes them look like a bunch of rich you know a-holes and i don't want to have any and so that family's not sympathetic and i'm rooting for the burglars Catherine o'hara's charm is absent yes oh my gosh she's brilliant She's a treasure. Um, it's protected. like find character actors, please, for these things. I mean, it's just you know. I mean, and I, and I said to myself, I said to Megan as we were watching, I'm like, I who, feel like who would you have liked to have seen? I, who would have worked in this role? I, I mean, it's a bad movie, <laughs> and I'm gonna say, I said, I turned to Megan halfway through the movie. I said, I feel like every scene is just some SNL sketch that isn't really working. And you know what? It was Dude. written by an SNL cast member. The movie was oh! written by an SNL cast member. <laughs> Where are we? What are we doing? Okay, so the, uh, the French Dispatch. Bring us back. Bring uh, us back. So, I, I, so, so my experience, I saw it by myself. It was a 10.30 showing. It was me and like one other dude in the theater. And the movie started. And you know what didn't happen? The lights didn't go out. They kept the lights on in the theater the entire time. And, and I was like... I was really losing my mind for about five minutes. It was the anti-pig experience. And I was so distracted the entire time. I was really annoyed. But part of what the French Dispatch is, it's so dense. Every single frame, moment, line of dialogue is like, I'm like, I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, it's work. And so I... I suffered through the lights being on. To, yeah, you didn't want to go tell somebody uh, yeah, because you'd miss. Yeah, I didn't want to get essential. up and try to find somebody and in this theater that probably had three people total on staff that night, and complain that the lights weren't off, and and I'm like, this is why people are not going to the movies anymore. Is because of bad experiences yeah, like this. No one cares. Yeah, yeah. No one cares. But even though the experience itself was not very pleasant, I loved the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the like I said, two things I'm I'm feeling as I'm the first half hour is going by is I'm missing so much because there's so much packed in and I need to rewatch this immediately. Yes. It's not even over yeah. and I, I need to rewatch this. That's that is my. I always say this yeah. about music that I love, like new songs. It's like mm. the first listen I can't even enjoy because I'm just thinking I need to restart it. You're like what? the whole time. <laughs> it's like the whole five minute song. I'm just like, I need to restart this because <laughs> it is so good, and I'm missing so much, and I can't even, you know, process. Yeah, as it's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I I felt like that watching this movie, and but but it's sometimes and I think we've we've made fun of Christopher <clears throat> Nolan a little bit on this podcast of. Oh, I gotta gotta rewatch Tenet five times to understand it. It's too deep, <laughs> dude. It's it's a dream inside of a dream, and that's not what's happening with this movie. Like this is again, I'm I'm tracking, but there are so many details on the edges of the frame, and I just want to I just want to get back into it again and again and again. There's so many jokes. Mm-hmm. There's so many, uh, like, like, like. I I follow um, 
one of the people that does prop and and even just like type design work yeah. for Wes Anderson movies, and she was talking about like, hey, this map of Kansas in the background of this shot. She's like, that took forever, <laughs> and she's like, it's what I'm most proud of in the movie. And I'm like, I'm like, I looked for it when I watch it, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome, but it's also like that. I I had a distinct moment in the opening where there there's that tray and they're like setting different uh, beverage items on the tray and it like rotates it up. Obsessed. <laughs> I know. Obsessed. It's like it's like you know I, I can't even name I, it. But I honestly have no like, memory of this, which is great. It's when the the like uh, waiter guy walks up those like it's, it's oh, like coffee oh, yes, and yes, like yes, aperitifs yes. and like yeah. yes. He's walking up like, that that facade behind you know yeah yeah. And I'm looking at every label. I'm like, oh my god, they made all these labels. I know. <laughs> yeah. The attention to detail it, is insane. Yeah, it, it's relentless. Yeah, and and, and kind of tiring, you know. Uh, and I think that's part of what's so impressive to me about it because I think a movie like Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs, with the stop motion, and that's a real like craftsman work. It's I don't want to say it's easier to have attention to detail, but like. You're you're you have to make everything that you're seeing. You have to because that's the medium. Where in filmmaking, that's not what you have to do, but that's what Wes chooses Mm -hmm. to do, and and so it's almost like he's he's raising the bar of the degree of difficulty in something like this because it's like I'm I want the level of control I can get with a stop motion animated piece, which is literally every frame I am manipulating it to (laughs) be exactly what I want. It's so him. Except I'm going to do that in a live action movie. Every frame is going to be exactly what I want, and and he pulls it off. It's it's insane. I mean, just just the fi- the five minute little piece with um, uh, Owen Wilson at the beginning, which is like the travelogue yes. of Ennui, the town. It's such a little I, appendage I, I, to the movie. Yeah, I'm just like, can we perfect. rewind this again and again and again? Because this I know. him on a bike. I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's amazing. And the bike goes without him. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you guys, so some critique I've read for this film yeah. is like his most visually impressive, dense, you know, like everything we've been saying, but uh, the most like distant emotionally for characters. Mm. And um, like, I, I don't, I don't know if I agree. His style is kind of distant in general or like very, like even characters, you know, we, we talked about in Rushmore, the continuing motif of like well anyway yeah she doesn't see well yeah. or like kind of divert emotion yeah. you know yeah but was there uh out of the three like main storylines ones that you connected the most with or enjoyed the most i'm curious or or or, or does that even ring true some of that like distant non-emotional movie making um i would say i definitely connected with the first storyline the most Mm. Um, and I think it was just, and this was the, the artist in prison. Yeah. The, the concrete masterpiece or master. It was, yeah, it was, um, Benicio del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. Yeah. Benicio del Toro and Adrian Brody and the French. Adrian Brody as an art dealer. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. need I yeah. need his own movie and and the French um, prison guard. They're like Leah Sado. Yeah, she and crushes like, Midnight Paris. Are you kidding And like her poses, her vibe, and her like that scene where they're laying down, and he's like, "Their energy." I love you. And she's like, like, "I don't." Contrasting. Like you. 
Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. And you're just like, cause I, I was the whole time, that whole like first segment, I was like, just trying to like catch up with what's going on. And then I was just yeah. like, wait, they're lovers. <laughs> wait, <laughs> like they're, there's this. I, I said that about the second story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, boy. <laughs> but well, yeah, I, yeah, first yeah. one for me was the most emotional. I had heard that criticism that you brought up, Mitchell, going into the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised because I honestly did not feel that way. I agree mm. with you. I think you had made this point of like the filmmaking itself is almost kind of distancing. But right. I felt like these were three really emotionally resonant and emotionally mature stories that he was telling. Right. And masterfully done. Like these were succinct, really tight, short stories that stand on their mm-hmm. own. But also right. there's some real common themes of longing, lost love, this kind of uh, discontentment and seeking expression creatively or whatever it is. I mean, those are themes that I see in all three mm. of them. And I was so impressed by how... Never quite getting there. Y- yes. the nature of writing. Yes. Which is also like then folded over into the overall like framework of this being a New Yorker style magazine in which Bill Murray as an editor right. is it sets out to have achieved something and people are not satisfied with it or happy with it and then literally upon his death the magazine is going to close right like right that's such a strange interesting statement about artistic expression and longing and um, and and our own satisfaction and contentment with our lives and our and our work and like that to, to I mean that's and that is that's those are kind of mature complex themes and mm-hmm. to weave that in consistently in, uh, across three stories in a framework and it to be emotional right. I mean like you talk about this, this is like an interesting love story in that first one between Benicio del Toro and Leah Sado that's mm-hmm. that's uh, that feels very unique um, the electric chair. Yes, right, because it's hot, not hot. <laughs> you sound like Tom just now. <laughs> hot. <laughs> um, but it's it's not so clear cut as he's in love with her and she kind of rebuffs him. It's she really does in a lot of ways care for him because she's always trying to wheel and deal to get him a better deal for his art. And she's like almost actually like so his manager and yeah. she is going to do whatever she can to drive his art. And and she understands him like no one does. Right. There, I mean, this is th- that is such an interesting relationship that I don't see often. Right. Because I think and having the artist be the prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> It's perfect. Right? Because normally that storyline is like artist and his muse and the way that the muse is almost mm-hmm. like oppressed and trapped and... Emotionally but, manipulated. Yeah. But, Jake Gyllenhaal. He, oh my gosh. <laughs> manipulative, I should say. Uh, but all of that ends up being turned on its head where she kind of manipulates him and she is in this authoritative position over him. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's really yeah. And, and then... Uh, and then, oh boy, even the themes of like authority, right? Because then you have this middle story with Timothy Chalamet having this 
like strange love affair with Francis McDormand, right? <laughs> and like, like everybody kind of re- recognizing. I'm shy about my new muscles. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's great. Uh, which is like fu- such a funny Dune callback <laughs> uh, when Duncan Idaho says to Timothy Chalamet, "You got oh. muscles." <laughs> he says, "Do I?" Not really. Not really. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> He planned it. He's like, I'll release these movies. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to release these two movies within a week of each other. Have the same. Weird joke about me being I feel like somebody somewhere on Reddit has a theory where Timothy Chalamet is the same character in every single movie. (laughs) It's like like that dumb Pixar thing. It's all in the same universe. It's all in the same universe. (laughs) It's like, oh, is it? Elio is... Dude, you, you read that in like college six years ago and be like, oh, oh whoa, God, someone thought about that. Oh <laughs> dude, that, that'd be crazy. <laughs> so painfully lame. <laughs> you can see in the back frame here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, Timothy Chalamet, the kid in Lady Bird who wants to go no cell phones post-currency could be Paul Atreides, right? And could in a past life have been this revolutionary leader wanting, uh, you know, I'm not sure what they wanted in this, in his, the revisions to a manifesto story, but he is amazing, but he definitely kind of has a typecast. Yeah. But also he's then he's Lori in little women and he's just perfect. Damn, he's in a lot of good movies. He's perfect in little women. (laughs) Little women. I know this isn't a little women podcast. But we need to though. But that movie, we stand Little Women. Ex- no, like this, I was this, captivated. This is my my current Letterbox top four. My favorite <gasps> top four movies: Little Women, right there. It, yeah, Little Women was my top three of 2019. No, twenty nineteen. Yeah, 2019. yeah it, I mean that was for sure my top top of that year. But like it, I go back In to general. it often. That movie's it's so good. It's so rewatchable. Yeah. Often. Oh, it's Christmas. Could, I can't wait to watch, watch it. it. <laughs> oh my, I know. Christmas is coming up. Like, it, But it's also painful how much our Christmas is not like that one. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Mom. Here's where okay, I okay. will contract. Here's where I'm going to like bring these all together. Yeah. I have realized. Here's, I, here's where I save the pot. Here's I can I can bring this all together. I have realized probably in the past couple years that probably one of the top components for what will like really seal the deal for a movie for me is the soundtrack Mm -hmm. because and you're a musician context yes but the it's (laughs) like your your ears are a little bit more thoughtful than most (laughs) it's it's the it's the whole idea of like negative space right Mm -hmm. in you have this in books and you have this in, you know, whatever, but it's like in movies, it's like you have a story and you have a script and you have the actor's ability and you have the setting, but like the negative space of either no music or a John Williams soundtrack or a Hans Zimmer soundtrack or, you know, like a Johnny Greenwood soundtrack. I just recently watched, uh, into the wild Mm. and, uh, the guy, what's his name from Pearl Jam? He did the whole soundtrack, and it's like this. I like, didn't know that. Yeah, it's like this like '90s, 2000s rock voice, 
and this kind of folk sound that is yeah, throughout the whole film. Eddie Vedder. It's the yeah. whole. It's throughout the whole film, and I was like, "Why do I love this movie?" And I was like, right. "The story's amazing, but this soundtrack, like, has totally Crushes. like weaved everything together." And the past couple of weeks, I've been just been listening to that soundtrack because I'm like, "Yeah, this it." It, it's a whole another dimension to movies and yeah same with the French dispatch and you oh. know all West Anderson movies you know Quentin Tarantino movies and whatever like they don't skimp on the soundtrack no. and Masters that I think honestly adds I mean that's for me probably 25% of the movie I was gonna say we just saw Spencer yeah which is the new Kristen Stewart Princess Diana movie, and Johnny Greenwood does the score. I'm like, this is just the score bumping it up like a full star, right? <laughs> no, I totally right? agree. I don't like, think if I, it didn't have that, it I, would suck. I almost don't think I would like that movie if the score was different. The score well, yeah. elevates it so much, and it, and it makes it a different movie. Well, I, I mean, oh, yeah. I go back to my it makes it a horror movie. I go yeah. back to my favorite like childhood movies and i think like et and i think hook and i think mm, like hook. parent trap yeah prince of egypt like <laughs> oh. i'm not kidding dude. dude like it is it's it's breathtaking taking music and burned in your brain and i i don't know there's just something to it that dude. that's the disney trap dog mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Good. Well, no, you know, it's like, um, and I know you, Johnny Greenwood is is the example, but I think about Phantom Thread is a movie I love, and I do think that movie like stands on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Viewers at home, Matt just flashed the camera in response to, to Phantom Thread. <laughs> I like that movie is a lot better than Spencer, so it's not just that the score elevates it, but. If that movie had been made in like 1999, it would have been some C-list, like yeah. very generic Jesus score, Christ. you know, similar vein. Like Johnny Greenwood does a lot with these violins and, and that score. I, but it just would not have been the the creative masterpiece that I think the music yeah. in that movie is. And, totally. and, and, and I think in, in, in that era, in the 90s, the, the kind of the big scores you name are really important movie scores. And now we're in this, this really interesting era of like bringing these musicians and artists from not from typical movie scoring world and letting them kind of have at it. And so Social it's, network. it's Eddie Vedder. Tarzan. Tarzan. <laughs> Bill Collins. Tarzan soundtrack. I'll, I'll see your social network and I'll raise you a Tarzan. I mean, yeah, a Tarzan's a good example, but it's, it's, um. The special Trent, features yeah, on Tarzan tr- Trent Reznor. In my brain. <laughs> yeah. The DVD of Tarzan. Like, we, we got inspired by surfers and skateboarders. <laughs> uh, Trent Reznor doing the social network. It's Johnny Greenwood. It's, uh, Eddie Vedder doing Into the Wild. It's that kind of stuff. And, um, and and a director's ability to kind of cur- curate and tap into and and bring in the right musicians and artists for this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to let. It, I mean, especially like Wes Anderson, like the dialogue so intense, you got to be able to let it breathe. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it <clears throat> honestly makes a good movie great. Hence, you starting the pod with that intro. Yes, Parisian vibe. Yes, which we will 
be in the episode. <laughs> I want that it as my intro and my outro. <laughs> By the way, full circle, that. Alexander Desplat, who did the music for French Dispatch, uh, famously, uh, did the score for Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. So. Oh! And there we go. <laughs> Which today, yeah. as we record the podcast, is the 20th anniversary of the Harry uh, Potter oh, and Sorcerer's philosophers, Stone. The Philosopher's Stone. The Philosopher's Stone. Because that was the original title, Matthew. Damn, but was the really movie ever titled that? Was the movie ever titled that? In England. In England, it was. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Are we really shouting out JK right now? <laughs> Turf! Turf! <laughs> Problematic. Directed by Chris Columbus, who uh, should be canceled because of his name. No. Um, <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> who directed Home Alone 1 and 2. Oh, and has this is like when we would negative play things six to degrees of separation, <laughs> which I was terrible. Matthew would be like, do which I was Matthew would like at. do mo- movie version. It'd be like, all right, it'd be like Will Smith and Adam Sandler. He's like, two movies are done. Next, and I'm like, I, I don't even. Um, question for you guys here. Well, I, Mitchell, really quick, did you have a story? Yeah, you that, go. Uh, well, uh, uh, did you have a story that you really related to or or connected with most of the three? I feel like. Um, I feel like the first one, oh, man, I don't know. I feel like I was a little tired because I saw a really late I, I was tired, too. too. And so when the third one came around and you're trying to get your bearings the whole movie, like, I feel like the third one's going to grow on me the most for the second viewing. Yeah. Especially who's the main guy? Jeffrey Wright. Name. He crushes He's amazing. This. As Roebuck. And, yeah, and I think I was just a little, like, again, trying to, like, figure out what exactly is happening with that third story because it starts with him on the talk show and i'm like wait okay i was gonna say the dialogue of the third and his yeah descriptions yeah yeah that was phenomenal um yeah it just that's what i want to watch most yeah Yeah. but i i think on the whole like the the first one i think is the best third one's the one i need to watch most but i feel like i connected with the middle one Mm. Because you also and, and they're, 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 are I, in I love with like Frances McDormand. You know when she when she howled at the Oscars this year <laughs> when she pooped something in a bag in Nomadland. I was in her band. I was like, okay, interesting. Let's keep let's, Oscar. Let's Oscar. <laughs> um, but there are so many special movie moments. I feel like in that middle one. Like yeah. and this this might be my favorite shot or maybe just favorite moment. Well, um, my favorite. I just say when Chalamet and I don't know her name. Uh, Lena Kudry. Yes. Sure. Yeah. When her and Chalamet are staying at the jukebox oh, and yeah. the walls pull apart, dude. Yeah. It, it, it so felt like a, a callback to I don't know singing in the rain or something something more theatrical. Yeah. Dude, that's when that song plays. Effects. That's when that song that I love plays. Oh, and it just lifts it. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 just the the display of Wes's powers mm-hmm. in that moment, you know. And so there's just a lot of special little moments like that, I feel like. I mean, in all of them, of course, but that one's just kind of burned in my brain. Yeah, I do think the middle one feels like the most um, of a piece with other Wes Anderson work. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, like the, it's like a younger... Yeah, younger characters, 
which is definitely a theme with him, but also like the way that they have the chess match, you know, across like this nomad, no yes. man's land. The sense of humor is more like <clears throat> fine tuned to Wes. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I love the, the third one. I was, I was at a late show and I was getting sleepy, but I really like woke up almost like came alive again when it switched to the animated sequence. Oh yeah. Um, and then that ending of the, um, it's like the chef talking about like the the, the yes. poison. That's like the heart of the movie. Yeah, and his little speech there, and and it also is. I mean, and do you want to summarize it, Mitchell? What was the kind of well the thing that I took away? Like he, he had was forced to. He was poisoning a villain. Yeah, and the villain was like, "All right, try the food you made for us to make sure it's not poison." So him being a loyal chef. Yeah ate it and partly because his stomach has been trained for like being able to handle yeah. anything you know yeah. that kind of like the princess bride for this, for this super chef guy you know yeah. and uh but he was he was like recovering on, on his almost deathbed and he was like man a new flavor and yeah. i can't even describe the poison the yeah. flavor of the poison and uh he's like a new flavor at my age it just it's so rare yeah you know and like when he said that i was like that's what this movie feels like yes for me and like what i would imagine feels like for wes of like something different with movies that i get to do yep 100 percent. and there were there was more to what he was saying and kind of bill murray's character even says it like that's the whole point of this article you know yeah um which i'm probably forgetting now but yeah because because roebuck wants to cut that from the article in the you know in the framework and and Bill Murray says that's you know and and it's a little like winking at the audience like that that's the point of the yeah. movie, um, which there, is there this... is another like completion uh, idea to what what I shared that I'm forgetting yeah. now. But well, I mean, I was just gonna yeah. say, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but this idea of kind of discontentment, longing for something more. I mean, that's what the chef is mm, expressing never, there. Never getting there. Yeah, never quite. You know, and and it's this. You know, and I maybe maybe there is a something to unpack in that he can only find it in poison, but I think we'll leave right, that for in now. his death. Yeah, <laughs> um, but just I just love the way I, I don't know. I felt that about the movie as well. Um, this is this is both a a theme central to the the narrative, but this is also just a statement about what Wes has done. Yeah, yeah. I I was thinking about short stories in general, like, like oh, like a like a George Saunders. Mm-hmm. What would it look like to take a collection of his stories and and make a movie out of it? Because I feel like that's not a too often explored, you know, thing in film. No, it's like like I, it kind of reminds me of Buster Scruggs. Matt, I don't know if you saw yep. Buster Scruggs yep. Yep. a couple years back. Yeah, and it's like so great, but it's it's a rare. Um, feet attempted it's yeah really, like medium you know like a collection it's, of stories it's risky for sure yeah it's yeah it's, and like it's, it's harder to sell prom- yeah. promote how do you get people to buy into that i mean with buster scruggs it's like it was a netflix thing so it was there but yeah. people didn't know and i think how to, to connect with that get you to like care for this character that leaves so fast yeah but that's i mean george saunders that's like that's why he writes short stories because he's so brilliant at it I know, but and and like framing it as oh this is a tribute to the New Yorker mm-hmm. is is like a perfect setup for justifying yes the way he's choosing to tell the story yeah 
So I I loved it. I thought it like I again my main thing is I just can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. And, and it, mainly just being surprised by him yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. It felt like Wes Anderson advanced. Like uh, like yes. uh, like it's something that you know you can't just totally get and like appreciate but it it it's a movie that takes like three or four watches you know and it, it's it's wild to say this because i i don't know how you guys feel about grand budapest hotel um but i it's fun i i love that movie and i think it is like when it came out it was a big oscar front runner i mean that that to me is like wes at the height of his powers and this this feels like wes leveled up even more like right right exactly and i i was like how did how i i could not have imagined him doing something and, and this is different different in scale and that kind of thing but but i mean this almost feels like a greater feat than what he did in that movie which i think was extraordinary uh it's because he's pushing himself even more yeah like like I remember I liked Moonrise Kingdom when it came out. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm I'm less drawn to it now. But it that movie kind of feels like a yes, Wes Anderson knows how to make a great movie yeah. that's perfectly digestible and, and, and fun to watch and really good. But like if he just kept making movies yeah. Moonrise Kingdoms, it'd be a huge bummer. And he's like, No, I'm gonna keep pushing and and like really challenging himself yeah. with with this craft and especially like after covid and i guess what feels like a huge drop in motivation to really push boundaries cinematically Mm. like i'm really grateful like movies suck right now (laughs) yeah i'm really grateful to see people doing risky things and people who are um still being really true to who they are like you know, yes. because it, it, it feels like everything is, I know it's not true and I don't think it's going to go this way, but it feels like everything's just going to streaming and yeah. like what's going to make money. And it's all like congealing into one thing yeah, or one style or one aesthetic. Yeah. And, and then you've got like Chloe Zhao directed Nomadland doing Eternals, which is crazy like reviled critically does not make the kind of money that Marvel wants it to make. And like, I saw some article like Chloe Zhao out of Marvel. Like, I don't know if she was ever going to do another Marvel movie, but like, they're not going to have her back. And like, you did not serve the machine. You know, like (laughs) I, I think we're all probably better for it. So Chloe Zhao can go make another good movie instead of Eternals. But I mean, even that it's like you, it's so difficult to be in a system like that as someone with mm-hmm. some real clear artistic vision. Um, but that's where the money is. So you get these, these good artists trying to go over there and do stuff. Um, and just, I mean, even like, uh, you know, there's, I mean, it's like, well, I don't know. The star Wars fandom is absolutely the worst place in the world, but, um, <laughs> 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 
the, the eyes bugging. <laughs> to it, like, uh, but like Ryan Johnson, who uh, like did Knives Out and The Last Jedi, and he was supposed to then take over or helm his own Star Wars trilogy. They were going to give him a Star Wars trilogy because at one point Lucasfilm was gi- giving out Star Wars trilogy like it was candy. <laughs> at, I'm going take- gonna- <laughs> They were giving out Star Wars trilogies like they were giving out samples at Costco. Like, and... They're like, all right, Fincher, you're getting 20, 21, and 22 in 2040. It's, it's just wrong. It's like... It's sickening. Like, I remember... This is no, my this generation. one was good. This is, no, this is my generation of all of this. My generation, the first superhero movie was Spider-Man with uh, Tobey Maguire. And there weren't superhero movies happening. And as a kid, you're like, this is the coolest thing ever. It feels kind of reimagined. Like, you know. Soundtrack. Why aren't all movies like this? Yeah. And then we grew up. The soundtrack had like the strokes and the highs (laughs) and Macy Gray in it. And the amount of times Sarah makes fun of me for listening to that Spider-Man soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. With Aerosmith. It's a great soundtrack. <laughs> but like, needing a hero. But like, I'm not gonna stay. That came out, and it was what it was. But it like, I feel like now I could still go back to it and like appreciate it. Yes. You know, and even and like, we were I like say, lucky Bat- to have that movie. Yes, and I would say also the Batman trilogy like having you know batman begins and (laughs) the batman movies of that whatever whenever they came out were also really good and then like i also felt like the henry cavill man one yeah and like the henry cavill early superman still felt very like honoring to the comics and to the original story and not trying to like you know whatever and then they just realized like oh we can you know make a million felt the spin-offs of this and a million trillion people will go see it and pay and for it and we can it. make 5 of these a year yeah and make and- a whole marvel universe and i'm like i like i just want to see like really good thoughtful like yeah movies you know and it's so hard because then it becomes so at the mercy and whim of like a very crazy fan base, <laughs> and, it's and so like with the Star Wars thing. <laughs> oh my god! Marvel boys are horse girls. Marvel boys are horse girls. <laughs> well, Dang. no, Star Wars fans are the worst. So <laughs> Matthew hate hates Star Wars. Matthew hates Star Wars. <laughs> No, I love Star Wars. I hate Star Wars fans, okay? <laughs> this the Last Jedi comes out and people hate like for whatever reason hate that movie. I like that movie. And Lucasfilm is happy cuz it made a ton of money, so they're going to give Ryan Johnson his own trilogy. And then the fans complain about it for 5 years and now he's out. He's not going to make any more Star Wars movies. And instead he's getting 400 million dollars to make more Knives Out movies with da- Daniel Craig for Netflix, which, you know, can't complain. But, you know, it's I want more French dispatches and not, you know, so refreshing. six Star Wars trilogies. Um, I felt this from college. Like, it was like Thor 2's coming out. I'm like, that's no. it. I can't keep up. I refuse. And it's like every year, it's like, well, now you're 10 movies behind. Well, now you're 30 <laughs> movies behind. <laughs> and now we and, have TV and shows. This, and this bad guy 
really is bad. Wait for the end credits. Wait for the end credits. <laughs> and after <laughs> there's gonna be, no, trust me, there's gonna be someone that you're gonna want to see at the end of the movie. And I'm just like, I wish this really pulled me and moved me as like important. Right. Because like yeah. Yeah. I you know, I try to be like Matthew. I try to be like <laughs> take i try to watch a movie and just enjoy it you know for what it is and like you know a lot of actually a lot of the new pixars in the last couple of years i've really really loved like i loved coco i really you know loved i really wanted to watch coco uh, for day of the dead and my son is insistent that that movie is scary and <laughs> will not watch it. Even though we like, no, no, no. <laughs> we took him <laughs> to the theater to see it when he was four and he loved it. Now as a seven-year-old, he's like, those skeletons. <laughs> Listen, dog. And, and even like, what was the one with the two like magical brothers that their dad was like, just the legs? Onward. Ugh. I loved oh, Onward too. Yeah, it's a fun movie. I didn't see it. I mean, I thought it. I, yeah, I thought it was. I liked it. Yeah, Pixar doesn't make bad. <sighs> no, they don't. They're yeah, the have you seen the good one, dinosaur. The dinosaur one. <laughs> the good dinosaur. <laughs> and the 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 most recent one with like it was like basically cartoon. Call me by your name. <laughs> it was still good, but there was no like there, pole. There was a bunch of like original Pixar, yeah. like. Andy doesn't have a dad. Like, you know what I'm saying? It is okay. like heart wrenching. It is Can like, I tell you, like, twice, I want like, a lemonade ice. It is sad. I want a, I it want is a scooter. straight traumatic. Like, and they've oh, like. A Finding Nemo? S- that mom, dead. Yeah. First five minutes. Dead. Gone. Up. Sobbing. <sighs> but it's like, they've totally, you know. Wally, uh, whole world. Like, whole listen, world. I want. Earth Golly is is a sneaky S tier Pixar that people sleep on. No, uh, no. What I liked about Luca though is that the stakes felt really low and it didn't need to yes. be like we're yes. gonna save the world or something. No, that's why and I it was just like charming. It. I don't speak against it. Hey, hey. It was still it was still good. Um, last thoughts, final <laughs> thoughts on French Dispatch before we move on to our segments. Um, is this a top? Where is this in your West catalog? I did my West Power Rankings, which I'm not going to go into, but I feel like is this a top five? There. I feel like we should start Is there. this top three? You want me to do my full list? Well, we have to at some point. Well, okay. I can run through my list quickly, but do you guys have your... I would, I'm would. i not like... prepared to uh, offer that information. How about, we do top, how about we do top fives and whether or not French Dispatch is in there? Okay. Why don't you start, Mitchell? Because uh, uh, I just did my West Power Rankings. Um Fantastic Mr. Fox is my number one just because of the history. Tenenbaums is two. Rushmore is three. Uh, and then Dispatch hit four and Budapest is five. Is that crazy? That could change, but I, I feel like because I have so much more to, to discover with Dispatch, that earned it a, a high ranking. That Those five would be my top five. I, maybe Dang. not the same different order. order. Maybe not the same yeah. order as you. But those that's elite, Wes. Yeah, those five, and I do think French Dispatch it has a spot in that five. No, it's borderline, but it's there. But really, come on, like what, like Life Aquatic, Darjeeling, 
Moonrise, they don't touch dispatch really to me in my head. Dude, you should you should we we should do a live reaction pod to Darjeeling. Uh, bring Christian on because it's all about brothers dude, trying to dude. figure some stuff okay, out. Okay, well that dude, you are that's your life, dude. You Christian and uh, Josh. Well, that's okay. You guys need to go to India or Africa. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's dude. That's I, I've never seen movie. that movie, so uh, what? It's good. We're gonna need to do a second another pod. I know it's good. My uh, yeah, people here's people me. Rank it low. But my shooting good. from the hip. This is me shooting from the hip. Yeah. Top five. Rush. Number one. Mm-hmm. Dang. Fantastic. Mr. Fox. Yup. Darjeeling Limited. Dang. Cracking the top three. French Dispatch Budapest Hotel. Wow. I know. Ten and I got snubbed. I know. Well, I Rushmore <laughs> is so tight and perfect. The history. Fantastic <laughs> Mr. Fox, I think, is just a perfect movie in general. And it's oh, yeah. so approachable. And it's so and rewatchable, anybody. and it's like easily the movie I've seen the most yeah, in my life. Yeah, easily. George and Clooney's so you, good in that movie. And we, who? George Clooney. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, and honestly, this is just my top three, and because you said top five, I had the other two. But Darjeeling Limited, obviously, like you were touching on, I think that just one hits really, really deep. Being like three brothers, yeah, in my own life. And my parents yeah. living in mm-hmm. another country and like trying to find a way to connect. Well, yeah. That is pretty specific and unique. It's pretty specific and unique. <laughs> and it's like, you know, an all-star, all-star cast. Yeah. And like, it's so familial and cozy and like really perfectly. Oh my God. I want to ride on a train. Like a br- brother relationship. Um, should we get into segments? Yeah, let's do segments. What are we drinking tonight? Matt Sarasoff, honored guest. Honored guest. A little ashamedly, I'm in Utah currently, so (laughs) the liquor laws are a little restrictive, but I'm drinking a spiked kombucha. (laughs) The most Utah uh, alcoholic drink. Get it at Target. This is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of segments. I, true to the show, a cold fashioned, long gone. Um, I had a cup of coffee because we have a newborn living in our house and I'm tired all the time. And also, true to the pod, LaCroix, LaCroix for LaCroix <laughs> Corner. LaCroix. Yeah. LaCroix. Flavor. Name the flavor. Uh, today's tangerine, which I think is my favorite, yes. so. Dang. Can we talk about Top that? Three. Can we talk about it? I orange yeah, it's is so good. disgusting and tangerine. <laughs> no, is you're 100 right. And Why? there's a Key lime significant difference between the Why? two. Tangerine, I Dude, will Abe. guzzle. Orange, I will spit out of my mouth. Abe. <laughs> this may be like my favorite thing to drink. Like tangerine Just Lacroix. Hands down. Abel's been eating like seven cuties a day. And he's like getting Enoch, sick for him. Enoch had probably fourteen last night. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> then he turns to Megan, "Mama, I don't feel very good." <laughs> Literally, Abel has been like shiting because he just keeps he keeps eating oranges and he does this thing. Now he knows what they are, so he gets a chair from the table and like pushes it to the cabinet and then like finds the oranges. It's like candy, but it's 
sneakily, and he's like peeling them anyway. Uh, yeah, Croy be- begging, mom. Can I have just one more Mandarin before I go to bed? Dude, they've got to be doing something to those. That's not right. Uh, all right. As tradition, we start with our favorite shot, which is pretty much impossible for this movie. I'm saying favorite shot, favorite moment. Mm. I, I could I could kick back like three or four right now. I don't if even I, know if I could give you one. It's hard. I think my favorite moment. One of the moments mm. where I like bursted alive was definitely mm. Timothy Chalamet and the girl with the motorcycle helmet. Yes. And the, ju- and the jukebox started. And they were the walls pulling yeah, apart. The walls pulling apart, and they were just like everyone's drinking coffee, and like, yeah, and just like to be a teenager, yes! in like France in like yeah. the sixties yeah. or something. That was definitely like totally memorable. Yeah, yeah, that's like a real movie moment. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that was in mine on my like three. I've got that one. I've got one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when uh, it's like right at the beginning, and they're like. Mondays came early or like quickly. Yeah. And uh, it's an empty street. And then all of a sudden it's filled with like old people, like cleaning rugs and, and, you know, sitting and playing chess, but it's filled up. So like, uh, like minutely detailed and funny. Yeah. And there was just such a love for that, that shot. And I was like, Oh gosh, Wes is here and he's in full power. And then, uh, man, I'm trying to think as, as far as like a favorite shot, single shot. Like I love some of the chess scenes. I mm-hmm. love some of the prison back and forth conversations, but yeah, I think the jukebox wall pull is just a perfect little moment. Yeah. Matthew, what do you got? I, I think, uh, I'll do kind of what you did, Mitchell. I like them. The moment early on where the drinks are being carried up to the French dispatch office. Yes. And it's just like kind of a sign of the humor and the, and also just the Wes Anderson kind of control of it all um, mm-hmm. and and good setting stuff. And then I um, I love the entire sequence where the concrete artwork is revealed oh, and, yes. you know, all the people are there and the art dealers and, um, and there's that like fight sequence that happens like as the it's like this weird where she hits the wheelchair and it like goes flying yeah but it's like this almost like slow motion freeze frame you know dolly dolly shot you know over the course of this whole hall as you're seeing this thing happen you know that really unique shot or like people are like yes yeah fake frozen that's Um, a great moment and i just i thought that whole sequence was really fun and a great payoff to to uh that story um and the art itself and the way he blends the color and the black and white which he does in the other stories as well um yeah he does a lot of flipping yeah um, seemingly at random yeah like even in the last story like you get that color shot of Saoirse Ronan's blue eyes just for just really brief and it just it's it's almost like startling um it's really good her and Chalamet cannot stop being in movies together I know they're so good our next segment is letterbox review. Uh, how many stars out of five would you give this? I, I asked my son this now after we watch movies, and I said to Enoch after uh, Home Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone, uh, <laughs> he, would give, he would give that movie ten out of five stars. So he really loved it. He's uh, like perfect movie. And then yeah, he asked me what I would give, and I didn't have the heart to tell him I gave it one and a half stars. Uh, <laughs> 
They're like. <laughs> it's a bit four. Um, I gave it a five. Yeah. Well, this is very uncharacteristic wow. for me. But the reason I did is because I was so delighted by how different and and how instantly I wanted to rewatch it, which is also rare for me. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew? It, 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 oh, go ahead, Mitchell. Well, oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I was so, I'm rarely surprised by movies. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. And this one surprised me a yeah. lot. Um, as someone who's never given a letterbox review, uh, I would say four and a half because I feel like it's too much to say five <laughs> for a first one. Um, but similar reasons as Mitchell, um, the uh, desire to watch it again and the desire to talk about it pretty much makes a movie for me. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it four and a half um, as well. And and I like, I'm. it feels like I'm just withholding a half a star because I want to watch it again. Yeah. And it, yeah. if I revisit it and can just enjoy it and luxuriate in all of the the, the details, I think, uh, the, the, you know, it could clear that. But I, I just really loved it. It's a delight. The movie's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, unsung hero. I, I, I've got my unsung hero. One. I know it. I know it. Hit us. Well, it's one Matthew, of my you know, favorite. You get the concept here. Unsung hero is like a great little moment or person or detail that, you know, isn't, isn't going to be on the IMDb page or like maybe not noticed, but like pulls, pulls their weight. Math, math, I'll tell you, you mine. It's one of my goal. favorite little, yeah. little stupid throwaway jokes in the movie. It's at the beginning when they're like detailing all of the, the personnel and, and weekly schedule of the French dispatch. And mm-hmm. they're talking about the different reporters. And there's like this one reporter who spends all of his time lurking in the hallways, but never seeming uh, to write reading. an article. That's and a great unsung. Hero. Oh my gosh. And you got this guy. He he's does, just reading. He's just reading. He's just reading. And it's like, he's worked there for 30 years and he's never written an article. And I'm like, he just this keeps guy. like eating apples and reading in the background. And he's, yeah, he's always uh, in the background shots, not writing, just reading. And uh, it's such a funny joke and feels so specific to like a certain kind of, you know, aspiring or wannabe writer. I, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'm going to, I'm going Henry Winkler, who just <laughs> shows up <laughs> for to look at some art. A couple of minutes. That's what's so funny. It's uh-huh. not even a couple of minutes. It's like 30 seconds. I know. And then I'll go with a random little just see that you can just go like endless list of these. But I like the the dead body floating in the river that they're like fishing out oh, towards yeah. the beginning. <laughs> and Owen Wilson is like, there's exactly eight bodies every year <laughs> found in the river. Matt, what do you got? God. If anything. If um, not, it's okay. Not really. Other than I love Christoph Waltz and I love that he was in oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. Christoph Waltz is like, in this movie? Yes. Very, very Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's, like, in the scene, in the middle story. Yes. And he's, like, messes with the radio. For yes. A this is insane. It's insane. It is it's literally insane. insane. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're right. That's oh, great. You know what? One, one last favorite shot. I like when the chef is cooking and, like, the fire explodes, uh, like, in pillars of flame behind yeah, him. And he's, it. like, plucking chickens. Um, all right. The last one is just movies we've been watching lately. 
that recommend or not if you have anything me and matthew both watch spence spencer um uh, trying to uh, think what did i watch i watched spencer and then i watched um this akira kurosawa movie um from the 1950s 19 or 1963 high and low if, uh, it, if kurosawa kurosawa did rashomon and seven samurai and kind of these big classic japanese language films from the mid-century You're on a japanese kick right now i have been um and i was like well high and low i'll check it out this movie blew me away like i i have not been so I mean it's how, kind of how I felt watching the French Dispatch delighted and surprised at how good it was and I mean it's the way he even his shots are like this is a David Fincher shot like the way that the camera just kind of slightly moves and follows actors as they're in, in frames we've talked about that Mitchell with David Fincher and just high and low this movie is amazing um, it's on the Criterion channel so if you don't have that good luck <laughs> Uh, why are you listening to this podcast <laughs> Matt um, well I mentioned this earlier but watching um, Into the Wild recently yeah mm. very very good um, and then I also watched um, shout out to Jared Hogan uh, Romeo and Juliet with Leo <gasps> yes oh my god it's a big anniversary 25th anniversary yeah. of that movie yes yeah, and I remember watching it in high school for some reason, probably in an English class. And we all did. We all we did. We all watched it. And I remember movie. loving it, and I hadn't seen it since then, and I rewatched it, and like, again, the soundtrack. Yeah, soundtrack's amazing. Like, it was 50% of the movie to me. Yeah. And obviously, like, I just so appreciated, like, the reinvention of something that's timeless without trying to totally reinvent it which i know yeah. it sounds like i don't mm-hmm. know if that makes any sense but it's like it's like no, it's such a weird balancing act that he does in that movie yeah it's like we're setting yeah. it totally modern but we're not like overstepping anything we're yeah. still honoring everything that Romeo yeah. and juliet is and yep. it for me was just like a perfect film yeah Great, and great movie. Not movies, but we've obviously talked about Succession, which could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, so good. Did you say yours, Mitchell? Is that? Oh, you no. said Spencer. I um, Spencer, and then uh, the, those two older movies, The Philadelphia Story. Oh yeah. Uh, and High Society, High which Society. is a remake of the Philadelphia Story. Philadelphia story is fantastic. High society sucks comparatively. <laughs> so high society or Philadelphia story is Cary Grant and Grace Kelly, uh, Catherine Hepburn. Oh yeah, okay. James Stewart. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. High society is 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 Cary Grant or not Cary Grant? Uh, Grace Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly and Frank Sinatra. Uh, Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I know that sounds like, you know, whoa. But these though that trio is not nearly as charming or likable yeah. as Cary Grant, Hepburn, and Stewart. Check it out. Not High Society, the other one. Philadelphia Story. My, my review, Cary Grant sitting on a fountain saying, hello, friends and enemies, is my 2022 <laughs> vision board. <laughs> <laughs> hello, friends and enemies. <laughs> 
So that's what we got. Uh, that's dispatch. That's it. Matthew, we, thank we you so successfully... much for joining us. Bonjour. Hey, really quick, how can people <laughs> find you? No. Um, <laughs> no, I refuse. Um, I'm on Instagram if you want to follow Matthew Minton. There you go. All right. Check him out. And he's got uh, some, give him, some hey, if you're on Letterboxd, give him a follow. Aerial he's, views. A, he's a new member or uh, will be yeah. in a few We're minutes, still right? A new member. Yes. Okay. There. Good. Matthew, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It was so good to see you over Zoom so and catch up too. a little bit. Yeah. Not really catch up, but mostly just reminisce. Thanks for having me. Good night, sleepyheads. Hey, just want to say thanks again to Matthew Mattoon for joining us on the podcast this week. And uh, just hoping, ho- hoping that this uh, conversation just brings a little bit of a different flavor and energy to what we do here uh, weekly on the podcast. We love the movie. We loved having Matthew on talking about a lot of great stuff. Um, and in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep. Uh, but I want to just say, what are we watching next week, Mitchell? Next week, we are watching Perfume. The story of a murderer. Some of you may be asking, what the heck? Why are we watching this 2006, never heard of, you know, not non-topical movie? Uh, well, it's because we have a guest in the pod, and he recommended it, and uh, it was quite the experience, and we're very excited to welcome Christian Schultz onto the pod. Christian is a filmmaker, director, uh, and he actually has a movie on the horizon yes. coming out 2022 yes his first and, uh, he's also f- coming out next year yeah which we also talk about a little bit on the pod yep. but uh he reached out to us uh recommending us cover this movie and so we just invited him on to talk about it because neither of us had even heard of it no and i'm sure a lot of you haven't either so go check that out i, I think it's streaming it's somewhere streaming on, on prime. Amazon prime um under the prime video free deal and it's maybe the one of the worst titled movies that I've ever come across, uh, because it, the, the ratio for how good it is and how bad the title is is it's is high. It, it is uh, perfume. The story of a murderer sounds like something terrible that would come out around Valentine's Day on like Lifetime. Uh, but this is a right. good movie. It's got Ben Wishaw, Dustin Hoffman's in it, Alan Rickman is in it. Uh, just some great, great stuff. We like the movie a lot. It, Hidden gem. Definitely Hidden gem. viewer discretion advised. There's some content uh, warnings over there, but you know, part of that's in the title, the story of a murderer. Uh, and <laughs> the ending is do, pretty, do, Hey, hey, do your research. Yeah, yeah, do your research. The ending is pretty, pretty wild. So um, just, just want to throw that out there, but it's streaming on Amazon. We're going to have that episode. Come. We already recorded it. It's coming out pretty soon. Looking forward to that. And just, again, thankful for Christian being on the pod. Uh, anything else? Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, write a review. Give us a rating and share the pod with yeah, one friend. Yeah, it's December now, and you know what, you listeners, the season can do of giving <laughs> for us a Christmas gift to us is just share this podcast with a friend. Maybe at your family gathering, as you're talking about your new favorite movie, The French Dispatch or Perfume, share this podcast with somebody at your holiday. Or listen to the podcast at your family gathering to uh, escape that. Yes, or put it on a either works. Put it on a speaker and make everyone listen. No, we want the streams. We approve all these. We want the downloads, so make everybody do it separately. Anyways. Separately with their own AirPods. <laughs> we will be back next week with Perfume, the story of a murderer. Good night, y'all. Bye. By the way, I I was threatened with legal action today.
you say legal action, you say lawyer, and I am aroused. <laughs>